The last class of my old professor's life took place once a week in his house by a window in the study where he could watch a small hibiscus plant shed its pink leaves. The class met on Tuesdays. It began after breakfast. The subject was the meaning of life. It was taught from experience. No books were required, yet many topics were covered, including love, work, community, family, aging, forgiveness, and finally, death. The last lecture was brief, only a few words. A funeral was held in lieu of graduation. The last class of my old professor's life had only one student. I was the student. I think I quoted that line to you. You know, death ends a life, but not a relationship. That's what happens. I'm Mitch Album, and you are listening to Tuesday People, the podcast based on my book, Tuesdays with Maury, the lessons I learned alongside an old beloved dying professor who had ALS, uh, but whose mind was sharp and intact and taught me more about life in the final months of his life than I probably learned in the previous 30 years or many of the years that came afterwards. And after uh, nearly 20 years now of that experience, we've decided to put together a podcast where I share with you, our listening audience, uh, the same tapes and voice of Maury Schwartz, who you just heard, and we kind of do our own class, as I did with Maury. Now we've opened it to the world, and every Tuesday we meet. And alongside me, as always, is my producer and friend, Lisa Goitsch. Hi, Lisa. Hello, Mitch, and Tuesday people out there. The quote that you heard from Maury, this particular one, is probably at the core of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, and everything that has come as a result of it, and the millions of copies that people have read or taught in classes around the world, death ends a life but not a relationship. Death ends a life but not a relationship. It was not actually an original line by Maury. He was quoting somebody else, although it's often been attributed to Maury and to our book, but it is a critical underpinning of how we deal with people that we have lost. And given that we're right upon the holidays now, and you remember last, uh, last week's show, we talked about forgiveness, which, Lisa, we both agreed was important at the holidays. You don't want people warring with one another at the, at the mm-hmm. Christmas tree. <laughs> Under the Christmas tree, you're throwing mm-hmm. presents at each other. <laughs> Take that! I don't <laughs> forgive you. Take my present back. Uh, so we spoke about that, and I thought it was very pertinent. But there's also something, uh, and I'm sure you've heard the statistic, that there's more depression and more suicide and, and more mental anxiety at the holidays than any other time of year. And while much of that comes, obviously, from the stress of trying to make the perfect holiday, some of it, and a significant part of it, recurs year after year because of people who are no longer here. You've lost your husband, you've lost your wife, you've lost your child, you've lost your parents, you've lost a brother, you've lost a friend. The hole in the holiday, the empty chair at your table that you look at when you sit down to eat, we used to be six, now we're five, it never goes away. And it is something that I find you have to make peace with. And I have had to do this many times now in my life, so much so that I thought it would be a good topic for us to talk about now, and perhaps I can share some of the things that I've learned from, not only from Maury, and having to make peace with Maury being gone, which was really one of the earliest times that I had to sort of learn, okay, well, how do I deal with this? And Maury walked me through it and really prepared me for it. But 
As the person who wrote the book Tuesdays with Maury, one of the, you could say, Lisa, I don't know, uh, benefits, side effects, or detriments, depending on how you want to look at it, is that pretty much everybody who meets me or who finds out who I am tells me a story about somebody that they lost. Because Tuesdays with Maury is, at essence, you know, that's, that's its core. It's a dying professor. So they feel like, let me tell you about my whoever it might be. And invariably, they'll end up crying as they're telling me the story. And so I have had to learn over the years, well, what do you say? What do you say at a moment like that? What do you say to someone who's missing someone like that? And it's forced me to think very deeply into the issue of how does death end a life but not a relationship? What relationship do you want to have with your loved one after they're gone? And right there in what I just said is a very important first step of, of this whole concept. You can have a relationship with your loved one after they're gone. Now, that for many people is an alien concept. They're gone. They're in the ground. Never see them again. What do you mean, Mitch, Lisa, relationship? How can I have a relationship with somebody who's not here? Well, first of all, I liken it always to a penny in a piggy bank. All right? So if you take a penny and you put it in a piggy bank, for all intents and purposes, the penny's gone, right? You will never see it again because, you, you know, you can't break into a piggy bank. That's against the rules. <laughs> so you'll never see it again. It's gone. It's missing from the earth. Never touch it. Never feel it. Never look at it. Never spend it. Correct? Am I right? Mm-hmm. But take the piggy bank, lift it up, and shake it. And what happens? There it is, right? So you know it's there. You hear it. Still there. It's not in your hand. You can't spend it. It's not the same relationship you had with that penny, but it's there. Well, if you think of that piggy bank as your heart, and you think of the penny as your loved one, and when you look into your heart, shake your heart up a little bit, and there they are, in all their sound and glory and memory, you can picture them, you can, you, you know, when you hear a penny, you, you can kind of see it in your mind, right? Oh, I, the penny's moving around, it's bouncing around. There Same kind of thing. So first of all, you have to accept the fact that just because somebody is gone, like the penny, doesn't mean they have disappeared from your existence. Your heart is your repository for all those who are no longer with you. So that's lesson number one. It is okay to think, all right, I'm going to have a relationship with somebody who's gone. It's not weird. It's not a seance. It's not talking to the dead. It's not, you know, people aren't going to look at you like you're, you're crazy. You're going to start mumbling at your desk. If you're one of those people who they walk by your, your desk and you go, no, 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 thanks, mom. You know, I don't, I, I ate already. <laughs> no, it's not that. But, you know, it's interesting that, that, that I, I remember when I was a kid, I went and visited my grandmother after my grandfather had died. My parents, uh, who were, we were very family oriented and they were very conscious of my grandmother now being alone. She was in her 80s. Uh, she was in Florida. And so each one of the three kids in our family were sent at different times to keep her company, which was a weird Aww. thing for us because we were teenagers. And who wants to get sent to Florida in a little bungalow house in, in uh, wherever it was, you know, Hollywood, Florida, and, 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 and sit for a week with your grandmother who doesn't go out and doesn't do anything, doesn't drive. And, 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 but we got sent to do it, and that's what we did. because That's we, nice. Yeah, it was. We listened to our parents. So I went and, and sat with my grandmother, and I remember 
Lisa, like it was yesterday. I'm sitting in the uh, living room, and she's making dinner. Mm-hmm. And my grandfather's name was Frank, and he had passed away about a, a few months earlier. And she says, she had a very high voice, Mitchie, oh, I talk like that, huh, Mitchie, Mitchie. And, so, and she said, Mitchie, you, you ready to eat dinner? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. And then she said, Frank, Frank, it's time to eat dinner. Come on, come in. Now, oh. this, this creeped me out. You know, I'm <laughs> right. 14 years old. And my grandmother's oh, calling for, and I'm expecting now, I look to the bedroom, Frank, Frank, she says again, come on. I come into the kitchen. She looks at me, everything's fine. And she, she, she steps uh-huh. away, she says, Frank, come in, come in, come in. She goes, he, he's deaf. He never listens, he's oh. deaf. She was talking to him as part, and then we ended up sitting down and eating, and she never really mentioned it again. Now, I'm not recommending you do that, but in her sort of way, after, after a lifetime of being with him, she wasn't able to really break away from the routine. So she, she just called for him. And then she came up with a reason why he wasn't coming to dinner. Because he's deaf and he can't hear anything. <laughs> okay. So that's why he's not, ah, let him sit in the bedroom. He, well, he won't come and eat with us. Well, I will eat by ourselves. If he's not going to listen, the heck with him. But it was her way of inventing a relationship with someone who was mm-hmm. gone. I have heard this uncountable times from people who I've talked with who have read Tuesdays with Maury about people who continue to, especially long-term marriages, uh, and people are in their 80s, 90s, who continue to just have conversations periodically with their partner. Now, this is all part of the sort of finding the new ground, finding the new relationship that you can have with your loved one when they're gone. Again, if, if you're mm-hmm. younger, I'm not recommending this, like talking to people who aren't there about coming in. I'm just saying we are built that way. Human beings are built that way to retain the memory and the feeling of someone who is critical and, and loving in our lives. We are built to retain that. We are not built to forget it. Mm-hmm. And so to act like, well, they're gone, move on. I hate that phrase. I have heard it. A million times in the death of my mother, the death of my father, the death of my uncle, the death of dear friends, the death of my sister-in-law. Well, time to move on. What does that mean? Time to move on. Are you suggesting I forget about them? I stop referencing them? I stop telling stories about them because they're dead? They didn't, they, they, it's not contagious. You know, their dying is not going to mean that I'm going to die. Although if I, if I pretend like they're not there, maybe it will, you know, it'll start to deteriorate me emotionally. You should not have to move on. You've already moved on because the world has just changed on you. Your loved one is gone. All right. Your mother is no longer here. Your father's no, your wife is no longer here. You have moved on because there's a new stage of life now and that's without them. But this sense of other people saying you need to move on strikes me, Lisa, more as we're getting tired of hearing you talk about whoever Mm -hmm. this is, and we want you to live in our world, so stop already. So they do it in the framework of we're thinking of you. It's time for you to move on. This is better for you. Not necessarily. Right. And sometimes I think people are just uncomfortable with that grief you know, they don't want to hear your grief. They don't want to. And whether it's because it brings it up in them or they just think, like you're saying, hey, man, time to move on. How can you still be so upset about this thing? 
or how can you still be bringing this person up? But, you know, either they haven't been through something like that before or they're just not understanding, you know. Or maybe in their case, they're the kind of people who, if a loved one dies for them, they give it X period of time and then and then they, they move on, so to speak, and so much for them. And it's no, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. However, you can live with it, you can live with it. But I'm saying you don't have to be that way. Yeah. Do you watch the Kaminsky Method? Have you ever watched that I've TV show? I've seen it a couple times, yeah. Yeah, well, Alan Arkin... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, loses his wife on the show, yet she comes back. Right. She makes appearances all the time, which are like real. And it's it's exactly what you're saying. He talks right. to her, but she comes back. You physically see her sitting on the edge right. of the bed. And then all of a sudden she'll disappear. And it's so like it just tugs at my heart every time because, you know, that he really sees her there. He really feels her right. there. And there's what's wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And this will take me to point number two. You establish the relationship that you want to have with the memories of the people that you have and how you want to do that. You just mentioned that uh, as one particular example in a fictional thing. I just wrote a book that just came out. I'm, I'm traveling around the country talking about it called Finding Chica. It is a story of our little girl from Haiti, uh, we have an orphanage in Haiti that we take care of 52 kids, and I've been there for the last 10 years. I'm there every month, and one of our kids, whose name was Chica, developed a brain tumor when she was five years old. We brought her to America, hoping to get her cured and take her back, and she never went home. She ended up becoming our daughter, and we traveled around the world for two years trying to find a cure for her. Uh, ultimately, we're not successful, but had such a relationship with her that now that she is gone, she continues on. And in the book, on the very first page, because I I knew that people wouldn't want, they might be scared of a book where a child dies and they might be afraid, like, well, if I start into it, then I'm going to get to 50 pages to go and I'm not going to want to read it because, you know, oh, I don't want the child to die. So right from the very first page, I say, she already died. You already know that she died. But on the very first page, she's back sitting at my feet right where I'm doing this podcast from sitting at my feet, as she always did, to the right of me in my office, playing with her crayons and, and her dolls and asking me a bunch of questions, which is what she did every morning when she was alive. Mm-hmm. And she ends up asking me, you know, when are you going to write a story about me? Write, write my story. And she talks to me, and that becomes the premise of the book. Well, so I've had a lot of people who have asked me, so, I mean, how often does she visit you? With that, it's, right. like, it's not like that. It's, I come down here every morning, because that's my routine, I sit in my chair, I look at pictures of Chica, and I shut my eyes, and I have conversations with her. Many of them are conversations we already had, and they're just, I'm just revisiting them. And some are like remorphed conversations of ones that we used to have, but then like if I'm wearing a blue shirt and I come down and, and I can picture Chica saying, that's a funny color, blue, you know, so... That's a new conversation right. that we're having. Yeah. I'm not creeped out by that. I'm not weirded out by that. That's how she stays with me. And that's one of the ways that you can hang on to the memories of a loved one. You can have conversations with them. And you can continue to sort of speak to them, not because, again, you believe in ghosts or seances, but because they spent time putting themselves inside you. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Maury on the last visit of our time together, said to me something very profound. 
He could barely speak at this point. Uh, he, he was, his frame was so small. He had withered into like almost the size of a child. And I remember he was in his bed, which he never, ever, ever was, Lisa, because he wanted to always be carried out of bed in the morning and put in his office. Even though he couldn't move anything in his body, he had to turn his head to have him look at you. He needed to be carried from place to place. But he wanted to be in his office because he, he had an aphorism, when you're in bed, you're dead. And he didn't want to be in bed. <laughs> so the last Tuesday that I went to him, he was in bed. You know, so he, hadn't, he wasn't strong enough, I guess, to even be carried out to his office. So I knew we were close to the end. And he was holding my hand. Thank God he could still speak. And he said to me, I want to ask you a favor. I said, okay, anything. He said, after I'm dead, I want you to come visit my grave. All right, I said. I was going to do that anyhow. Not the way everybody else does it. Don't come with your car. Get out. Leave the engine running. Put down some flowers. (laughs) Get in and drive away. I want you to come when you have some time. Bring a blanket. Bring some sandwiches. And I want you to talk to me about life about the Red Sox. Just tell me what's going on. I said, wait a minute. You want me to come to a cemetery, have a picnic at your tombstone, and talk to the air? And he said, exactly. Just like we're talking now. And I said, well, Maury, mm, let's face it, it's not going to be like we're talking now because you're not going to be able to talk back. And he looked at me as if I were being very naive, and he said, Well, Mitch, I'll make you a deal. After I'm dead, you talk, I'll listen. (laughs) Right? That's perfect. Brilliant. And in all the time that I spent in the months afterwards writing Tuesdays with Maury, I always came back to that sentence, you talk, I'll listen. Because in in that sentence is the essence of everything he tried to teach me, and it's the essence of everything I'm trying to get across in this lesson today. If you spent time with your loved ones, real time, giving of yourself, sharing of yourself as Maury did, being present with people, then when you die, you aren't 100% gone. You do live on inside the heads and the hearts of everybody that you touched. And they can talk to you, like I talked to Chica, not because... Again, they're mystical or they say, uh, we're going to say a potion and and drink something crazy and then the the ghost and spirit will appear to us. But because they can hear you like that penny in the piggy bank because you spent so much time. I can hear Chica talking to me all day long because she talked all day long. (laughs) That's what she did. (laughs) And I can hear Maury's voice because we spent so much time together. So when him wanting me to come talk to him was him understanding, it wasn't about Maury because... Wherever he is now, I don't know that he would necessarily be at the cemetery. Maybe he is. Right. Maybe he can, maybe wherever he is, he can come. Because I do go to the cemetery whenever I'm in Boston. I think he said it for me. He said it for me because he knew that it would be hard for me to be without him. So he mm-hmm. gave me a way to be with him after he was gone. Come sit at my tombstone and talk to me. Tell me about the Red Sox, whatever. And when I said, well, yeah, you're not going to be able to talk, I'll listen. I'll listen. And if you believe that the people are listening, it gives you great comfort. How many times, Lisa, you lost your mom. I know it was traumatic for you. 
I've lost both my parents in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And I had a great relationship with them and always would speak to them. How many times do you find yourself sort of closing your eyes and just asking your mother a question about what's going on in your life now? Like, what, what would my mom say about it? What, what advice would she give me? Do you do that? Oh, I talk straight to her. There's not even any outsourcing. Okay. Yeah. I do it when I drive. I ask her questions. I, I lay in bed a lot. You know, I ask her things from bed or I, I summon her often. <laughs> right. And you're not really, you're not using herbs. <laughs> you're not throwing smoke no. into the air. You're using no. your heart and your mind, right? And you can imagine yeah, what she would tell you in that situation. You apply something that she said before to the situation that you're in right now, right? Yeah, I get answers. It's yeah. weird. I mean, I can hear, like you're saying, I can hear her voice answering me, uh, you know, probably because I know what she would say. But sometimes it's just comforting to hear that voice again say, don't worry, everything's going to be fine, right. or just stop doing that, or whatever it is that my mom would say. Right. You know, I know what she would say. I hear her voice, and it's like she's still there. That's right. That's right. Look, I've often likened this to when people have a really hard time initially with someone being gone, you know, uh, the shock of a death or something like that. Sometimes I say, you know what? Because I say, I, can't, I just cannot believe they're not here. I just can't believe I, I, I'm not going to see them again. I'll say, all right, imagine it this way. They went on an expedition to Antarctica, <laughs> to Everest, some place, the last few places in the world where there's no phone and there's no way of communication. If they were there and you couldn't talk to them for a stretch of time, they were on a six-month Antarctica thing, or whatever, you'd be all right with it, right? Because you would say, well, I miss them. I want to talk to them, but they're okay. They're okay. And I'll talk to them eventually, right? Well, if you believe in heaven if you believe in an afterlife, if you believe in that this is the end of the world doesn't come when you're put in the ground, that there is something beyond this, then it's not all that much different except the length of time. They're away someplace. You can't talk to them. You miss them, but you know they're okay. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't tell you how many people who are people of faith draw great comfort in that because they say, all right, it's sad for me, I can't talk to them, but it's good for them because they're in a great place, they're okay, and I will see them eventually because I'll be there as well. And these are the people who generally have the most peace with losing someone. And so I say, well, if you're not necessarily a person of great faith, how do you do that? Well, you can do this little exercise, at least for a while, and slowly you get used to the world without their physical presence in it. Mm-hmm. But their emotional presence does not need to be erased. And this is the point that I'm trying to make. Don't feel guilty about thinking about your husband, your wife, your child, your brother, your sister, your friend, your, your, your parents, because it's like, oh, you know, I, I need to get on with my life. No, that is getting on with your life. They were a huge part of it. Getting on with your life doesn't mean that you, are, you know, all right, scratch out, they're gone, scratch out, scratch out. No, not at all. Which brings me to point number three. Okay, how do you deal with this? Physically, how do you deal with it? What, 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 how much memory do you want to live with? I have a great video that I took of my parents when I happened to be visiting them in Philadelphia where they lived. And I bought a video camera and I said, you know what, they, they, were, they were in their late 70s, approaching 80. And I said, I want to get the family history down before, God forbid, anything happens. 
I want to hear the whole story. We have a very sordid, weird family history. It goes <laughs> back, and there's a lot of crazy relatives who did a lot of crazy things. And there, and we laughed about it for many years over the table. And, and, and you know, I would say, well, wasn't it this one? It wasn't it this one? And, and sometimes we forgot the names, and we, got, we messed up the names. My brother end, actually ended up being named for someone. My mother thought his name was Paul, so she named him Peter, P for you know, P, Peter, Peter, Paul. And we turned, mm-hmm. out, turned out, she later found out his name was Saul. <laughs> and my, oh. So it was an S. <laughs> and um, my brother found Oops. this out, and this was, just, this was just shocking when he was a little kid. Wait a minute. Hey. You know, I wasn't even named. So it became a funny story that we always told. <laughs> so I asked my parents to do this, and I have this video, which goes on for probably 45 minutes. And it is my mom and dad telling the family history, interrupting each other, no, 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 wasn't it this? No, he didn't live on Pitkin Avenue. He lived over that kind of thing. And by the time they're done, they kind of get the whole thing out, although there's a lot of disagreement along the way. It is one of my favorite things to watch. And whenever <laughs> I am great. missing whenever I'm missing my folks, I just put that on and I I can hear my voice asking the questions and I watch them arguing abysmal. And it doesn't make me sad. It doesn't make me miserable or grievous. It it comforts me. Because mm-hmm. I know that if they were here and I were just to drive over and we were going to have breakfast together or something, we'd probably end up having that conversation because we mm-hmm. had it a million times. So why not continue to have it? It is okay to watch video. It is okay. You're not living in the past. You are mm-hmm. being comforted by the campfire of their memories, how they sounded, how they looked. A lot of people just avoid photos they avoid videos. It's going to make me too sad. That's crazy to me. Why would you not want to look at someone who was such an integral part of your life? Why would you not mm-hmm. want to hear their voices? We now have technology that, wow, I mean, you could capture all the little moments of life on your phone, the phone messages and all those type of things. Why wouldn't you want to listen to those things if they bring you comfort, if they remind you of how they sounded? I remember interviewing a woman once they, uh, for, a, for a story for Parade Magazine about love and long-lasting love. And the, uh, she and her husband had been married uh, some crazy amount of years, I don't know, 70 years or close to that. And she would spray his cologne on the pillow next to her uh, every night just to have his smell around her when she Aww. went to sleep. I love no, that. I don't, I don't think that's creepy. I don't think that's weird. No. It's comforting. Death ends a life, not a relationship. You do not have to walk away from the memories, from the sights, from the video, from the smells, from the cologne. It's not, to me, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Lisa. People who keep uh, loved ones' clothes in the closet after they're gone. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Was that, well, was that weird? You know, or Hey, no. If it helps somebody get by, fine. I don't think there's anything weird. When my mom died, I took probably three of her shirts in this weird hat she used to wear every winter. I have the hat sitting on this like glass head in my bedroom mm-hmm. <laughs> because it reminds me so much of her and it makes me laugh. And she loved horizontal striped shirts. So I took three of her horizontal striped shirts. I don't wear them. I just have them in my closet. I look at them and I'm like, oh, yeah. look at that. There's my mom. Like I see her in it. You know, right. I can, I don't think that's weird at all. No. I, here's the thing. It's, you don't want to erase somebody. Why would you want to erase somebody right. completely from your life? You know, I think that to me is like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to do that. Like you're saying, don't, I can't look at 
any pictures of them. I don't want to hear their voice because it's just too painful. But then you're kind of, you know, erasing them. And mm, I don't know. Yeah. Not necessary. I, I think you want to keep them here. This is uh, from Tuesdays with Maury, the book. Someone asked me an interesting question yesterday, Maury said now, looking over my shoulder at the wall hanging behind me. What was the question I asked? If I worried about being forgotten after I died. Well, I said, do you? I don't think I will be, he said. I've got so many people who have been been involved with me in close, intimate ways. And love is how you stay alive, even after you're gone. And I say, sounds like a song lyric. Love is how you stay alive. (laughs) Maury chuckled. Maybe, but Mitch, all this talk that we're doing, do you ever hear my voice sometimes when you're back home, when you're all alone, maybe on the plane, maybe in your car? Yes, I admitted. Then you will not forget me after I'm gone. Think of my voice and I'll be there. Think of your voice, I said. And if you want to cry a little, it's okay. Which is what Maury would say to me all the time. <laughs> so even before he died, he already was giving me an out. He was giving me a sense of comfort as to how I could deal with his being gone, which was a very kind thing to do. And I think that that is a a very loving thing for those of us who are older to say to our children and our younger loved ones, before it gets too late and we can't say it, listen, when I'm not here, remember that I told you this, remember this, look at this picture, whatever, and it won't be so traumatic for you. I'll still be around, you know, and... Like, I'll be seeing you in all those old familiar <laughs> places. You know, well, when you close your eyes, you can see the people that you it's miss. True. And it's not something to run away from. Death ends a life, but not a relationship. But, 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 and here's the big but of the whole lesson here in this podcast. But you have to invest in that relationship while you're here if you want it to go on. So if you plan on spending every minute working, don't plan on anybody remembering you when you're gone. Very rarely the people in the office say, remember when Phil used to be here and he used to file those reports on time? Wow, miss those days. <laughs> Somebody else comes in and files the no. reports on time. If you want to be remembered, you have to invest your time with your loved ones now, make memories with them now, so they have something to remember you by besides your absence Besides the fact that you were always working, besides the fact that you were always in the gym, besides the fact that you were always uh, racing around trying to become the next this, that, or the other thing. So it, it's a great sentence, but it comes with a caveat. Death ends a life, but not a relationship. But it's not a, alone. You can't say, oh, well, then I'm fine. I'll have the relationship no matter what. No. What did the Beatles sing? In the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make, right? You got to do it here if you want to take it someplace else. And you have to invest in people's time while you're here if you want to do it someplace else. I'll give you one last, this must be a day of of reading my own work. I apologize for that. It seems a little uh, uh, self-indulgent. I like it. Well, I feel like I'm sitting by the fireside, Mitch. (laughs) Well, this is actually from uh, the the book that followed Tuesdays with Maury, The Five People You Meet in Heaven. And I created a love story between Eddie, who was the protagonist there, is the man who dies at the beginning of The Five People Meet in Heaven, and his wife, who died before him. 
And they had the, you know, just one of the great love stories of all time, even though they had very little. They got married, like my parents, in a Chinese restaurant on Christmas Eve because they didn't have any money. And that was the only place that they could get for cheap because, you know, Chinese restaurants are open on Christmas Eve. And they just had 40 years of, 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 of a great love life before she died. So in heaven, he gets to meet five people, and one of his five people is his wife. And after... He goes through the whole shock of seeing her again and all the rest of it. They have this discussion about her dying and how Eddie felt when she died. And some hidden feelings are come to the surface. So she says, her name is Marguerite, and she says to him, you had to live without love for many years, didn't you? Eddie said nothing. You felt that it was snatched away, that I left you too soon. Eddie lowered himself slowly. Her lavender dress was spread before him. You did leave too soon, he said. You were angry with me, she said. No. Her eyes flashed. Okay, yes, he said. Well, there was a reason to it all, she said. What reason? How could there be a reason? You died. And I lost the only woman I ever loved. She took his hands. And this is the part that I want to resonate here. No, you didn't, she said. I was right here, and you loved me anyway. Lost love is still love, Eddie. It takes a different form, that's all. You can't see their smile or bring them food or tussle their hair or move them around a dance floor. But when those senses weaken, another heightens. Memory. Memory becomes your partner. You nurture it. You hold it. You dance with it. Life has to end, she said. Love doesn't. Now, I'm sure, even though I wrote that book six years after Tuesdays with Maury, that I was probably channeling Maury right there because that's just a love story's version of Maury saying to me, talk to me, come to my grave, talk to me, I'll be there. Life ends, love doesn't. Death ends a life, not a relationship. So as these holidays approach and... Maybe there's someone who's not by the tree who used to be. Maybe there's someone who's not at that dinner who used to be. Maybe the person you used to dance with on New Year's Eve isn't there anymore. It's not wrong to embrace them anyhow, to dance with them somehow anyhow, to imagine the meal with them somehow anyhow, to just talk to them with your eyes closed. Hold their memory close and realize that they live inside your piggy bank now, inside your, your heart. Think of your heart mm-hmm. as a piggy bank, if that makes it be- any better. And um, maybe it won't be so painful, which is kind of the point of all this. Yep. Don't want loss to be painful. Maury uh, eased my loss, and by going to his grave and having those conversations with him, I have never felt the horror of losing Maury. I've always felt he's kind of around, you know? Mm-hmm. He's a little like this guy on my shoulder who just tells me what to do. And in that way, he made his passing that much easier. And I want to share that with you. This is from Maury Schwartz himself. I think a lot about what is there beyond. Is there anything? Is there a soul? Is there a consciousness? All my friends are convinced that love goes on. I think so. Well, love going on and... And you going on are not necessarily the same thing, are they? No, but my love for my friends, their love for me, they, theirs will go on. Right. 
So I hope that that helps. I hope that uh, if there is someone that you're missing this time of year, that is maybe a new way of thinking about it that allows you and permits you the freedom to embrace your memories without feeling like, oh, people are going to think I'm crazy or weird or lost in the past. The past is part of your life, too. You don't just drop it just because somebody's no longer there. Make sense? Totally makes sense to me. All right. I'm going to go talk to my mom right after this podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ask her what she thought of it. Yeah, She'd probably say, uh, the, the Mitch talked too much. I didn't hear enough of you, Lisa. <laughs> She'll say, I like that Mitch. He's such a yeah. nice guy. Yeah, well, That's what she always used to say. Your, your mom was a piece of work. <laughs> and I was blessed to know her a little bit. and She always made you feel special. So yeah. Take that with you as we head towards the holidays, and uh, thank you for joining us today on this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. You can get involved with us on an even more intimate way. Talk about, talk about talking to us. Lisa, explain that. Well, we have a Tuesday People group page on Facebook that's very active. Please join us there. We, we always have um, discussions post-show every time we post a podcast. We have people that leave comments and talk about it and share their stories, which are just so heartwarming, by the way. All of you who have left your stories, wow, some of them are just so beautiful. Yeah. And we also have a hotline, our new Tuesday People storyline. The number is 248 621 That's 248-621-4701. You can call the number, leave your stories, any ideas you might have for the show. And, and also, if you've listened to this podcast or any of the other podcasts, and then once you've listened to it, you want to leave a thought or a memory that has been inspired by that podcast, that's okay. We'll come to that and perhaps play it back on the show the following week or a couple weeks later and revisit some of it. We'll talk about, remember a couple weeks ago when we spoke about this? Well, here was an interesting comment from one of our podcast listeners, and we'll talk about it again. I mean, it's not like Maury and I finished the topic and then when I would come back the next Tuesday and I would ask Maury a question, he'd say, we did that already. <laughs> We're not doing that again. <laughs> he didn't say that. It was, a, it was a circular conversation. We always talked about similar things. We, you know, he, he repeated himself week after week on a lot of similar points. So we can do the same thing here. Once, we, once you hear the podcast, if you want to leave us a message, a story that we can get to, and eventually we're going to make this work so that we can actually talk to you as part of the program. We just got to get the text worked out there. Uh, but in the interim, if you leave that, we can bring it up and we can revisit some of the things we're talking about. So if, if, if something we said here about, about love going on uh, strikes a chord for you, you want to share a tale with us, please do. And perhaps we'll be able to share it with the whole podcast community here. Yeah, we'd love to do that. All right. Until we see you next Tuesday, on behalf of Lisa Goich, this is Mitch Album wishing you a great week and peace and love and a sense of calm and comfort in your hearts as you head for the holidays. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People. <laughs>